0: If you do live in the North Toronto area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to join us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. Our desire is that God would use this to encourage you with the hope we have in Jesus. It's nice to get to serve you by teaching the Word of God. So we are almost done. Our series in the book of or letter of James, that is a Good word. So we got one message today. Lord willing, a message for a Good Friday from Shay, and then we'll end. I'll do verses again. Lord willing, seven to twenty um, on uh, Easter weekend. So the title of the message today is "That is a Good Word About Planning." Now let me tell you that when I was choosing to preach through this book, that I did not think there would be a sermon on planning. But here we are, that is a good word about planning. And we make lots of plans, right? Plan to play our bills, plan to go to bed at a certain time, plan to work out, all kinds of plans. But the thing about plans is we don't always know how they're gonna work out, isn't that true? I plan sometimes to run into the grocery store, you know, Kim will ask me to get something and she usually tells me to get milk or something and I just get the one thing and she's always like, how come you only get one thing? I'm like, you asked me to get one thing. But I'm thinking, it's only gonna take me about five minutes, you ever, you, ever, you ever think like this? I'm gonna go into the store, it's gonna be an in and out. And you go in and then all of a sudden the line is like wrapped around the entire store. The thing about plans is we make them, but we can't make our plans go exactly the way we want. And the people in this text that James is writing, writing to They've forgotten this. They've forgotten that that it's not all in our control. And what James is trying to do is he's trying to protect us from falling into this trap. Our brother wants us to remember this. This is the big takeaway for us today. That all our plans are in God's sovereign hands. I knew I'd get one back there. All our plans are in God's sovereign hands. And the moment we forget this, we get in trouble. But James is trying to teach us here. And my aim today in this message is to give us a sense of peace. Because this reality should give us peace. It should give us peace. I also want to show us that there's wisdom in planning. That it's okay to plan. That there's a wisdom to planning, but I also want to show us that we have to have a right attitude when we plan. There's a, there's a way we are supposed to go about it. So let's look at verse 13 of chapter 4. He says, come now. Some translations say, listen up. What he's trying to do is he wants their attention. He's like, pay attention. I, I got something important to say to you. He says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit he wants their attention because he wants to show them that the way they're talking is inconsistent with scripture the way they're planning is inconsistent with what the rest of the word of god would teach us notice notice the confidence in the way they speak they say we will go we will stay We will trade. We will make a profit. They talk like everything is under their control. They have travel plans. They have time frames. They have market projections. They have a profit forecast. They they make it sound like it's all up to them. They think they can go wherever they want. They can stay as long as they want. And they can have as much success as they want. What you have here is one prideful group of people. It's a pretty prideful crew, right, Right? My brother over there. And look what James says in verse 16. We're gonna jump around a little bit. I'm gonna do this one a little bit different. But look at verse 16. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is, what does he say in the text? Evil. All such boasting is evil. Now, you're like, Mark. why does he call it evil? Why does he say their boasting is evil? Well, let me tell you, because they never mention God. At no point do they mention God. They speak like it's all up to them. That, that They talk as if God has no part to play in the process of their of their planning. And that's why he says it is evil. What James does here is, here's our first point, he exposes planning that is arrogant. He exposes planning that is arrogant. Look at verse 14, he says, this is so important, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life, he says. Another translation says, you do not even know what your life will be tomorrow. On Friday, I was walking to pick the boys up from school and my phone rings and I look down and it's Pastor Yogi. and I was like, oh, that's weird. He's calling me at like, you know, three o'clock. So I'm like, Yogi, what's up? And he's like, I fell. And I just, <laughs> I felt kind of bad. <laughs> and he's, and he's I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, and I think I broke my wrist. And... And so, you know, we talk and we pray together. But here's the thing. The night before, Pastor Yogi goes to bed, two good risks. The next morning, he is in the ER trying to get an x-ray to figure out if he's going to have surgery and, and live through that reality. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. Proverbs 27 says, do not boast about tomorrow. Tomorrow. For you do not know what it may bring. We don't know what is up ahead. Now, why does God tell us all this? Why does he want us to be in this spot? Well, it's because he wants us to be a humble, dependent people. He wants us in a spot where we're like, I'm not God. God is God. And I need him every single moment. Today, And tomorrow, verse 14 again, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. So James tells us tomorrow is uncertain, and then he tells us that life is brief. Do you see it in the text? He says you are, we are, I am a mist that appears and vanishes. Augustine, St. Augustine said, I promise it's coming there it is. Restoring health for a time to a man's body amounts to no more than extending his breath for a little while longer. Just let it, it marinate on you. Let it sink in. Psalm 90 says this, one of Pastor Dennis's favorite passages. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80 Yet their span is but a toil and trouble. Isn't life hard? Don't you feel that most days? Am I the only one up here? Talk to me. Don't leave me. It's tough, right? All right. They are soon gone and fly away. Remember that song, you know, back in the day? Ah, fly away. Anyway, don't let me get started. My grandma used to sing that growing up. So teach us. Here's the reason. I'm never going to sing again, I promise. They fly away. And then he says, why? So teach us to number our days. Why? That we may get a heart of wisdom. The Bible tells us that life is short. God wants us to know this because it helps us to live in a wise way. It helps us to live with urgency. There's some things in your life that because tomorrow is uncertain, it just can't wait. So what's that thing that God's like, you got to get that thing done today. You've been procrastinating on that thing. Tomorrow may not come. Go do the baby. It's uncertain. There's a, there's a level of urgency that we need to live with. But because tomorrow is uncertain, there needs to be a level of intentionality that we live with. Do the people in your life know you love them? Are you making sure that when, they're, when you're gone, there's no doubt are you getting some things right that you need to get right with people in your life? Is there a level of intentionality that you're living with? Are you focused? Or are you just wasting your days? You don't know, we don't know how many we're going to get. Urgency and intentionality. Because life is brief. Verse 16, again, James says, you boast in arrogance. He loves, remember, this this letter, I keep saying that James is always calling them my brothers and sisters, my brothers and sisters, my brothers and sisters. There's a love that he has for them. And so he wants them to live in a way that that is wise, that is honoring to God, that is good for their soul. And so he says a hard word here. He says you boast in your arrogance. Why? Because he's trying to get them to wake up. He's trying to get them to change. He wants them to be different. So he says you're being arrogant, and you're like, why did he say that? Because they're acting like they're God. Let me show you. Three reasons why he calls them arrogant. They're acting like they're omniscient. Remember, they're like, we're going to go and this is going to happen. They act like they know everything. James says, you do not even know what tomorrow will bring. Only God is omniscient. Psalm 147, verse 5 says, our Lord is great, vast in Power. His understanding is infinite, infinite. There's nothing that God does not know. He knows all things. They're acting like their life is eternal, the next one. James says, you're a mist that appears and then vanishes. They, they, they speak like we're gonna go, we're gonna be there for a year, nothing's gonna happen, we're, we're all good. He says, you don't even know. Only God is eternal. Revelation 22, says, God says, I'm the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Only God is eternal. Here's the next one, number three. They're acting like they're sovereign. They can, like again, like they can make anything happen. James says, only if the Lord wills. Only God is sovereign. Psalm 135 verse 6 says, whatever the Lord the Lord pleases, he does. In heaven and on earth. In the seas and all the deeps. What's the Bible trying to tell you? He can do whatever he wants, anywhere he wants, anytime he wants. Any, any, any moment he feels like it. Only God is sovereign. See, what I want to, why I'm showing you this is I want you to see that pride messes with our thinking. And wrong thinking leads to wrong living, and that's the danger. When you get into a prideful spot, the thinking starts to go, and then it leads to wrong living. Now, the way a server, when you come into the restaurant, lets you know what's on the menu, right? You know, they're like, hey, thank you for coming today. My name's so-and-so, and here's the special. They let you know. Well, I want us to know what James is not saying. He's not saying Christians should never plan. So he's not saying that. It's wise to plan. There's wisdom in planning. Let me show you. It's, it's wise to plan a will. What's going to happen to you and the people sorry, the people that are left behind when you're gone. It's wise to put something like that together. It's wise to plan how we'll pay back debt and invest the money. Now, this is, this, this is not the, an exhaustive list. These are just some things that popped into my head, so I just threw them up. But here are some things. I'm sure you could add things. It's wise to plan how we'll help our kids in the future. They're, how are we are going to help them in their walk with the Lord, their education, home, whatever it is. It's wise to plan how we'll help our parents as they get older, how we'll take care of them and be there for them as a means of doing what the Scripture says, honoring our father and mother. It's wise to plan our schedule, our month. What am I doing? What did I commit to? Did I overcommit? Do I have room to add some things? Do some things need to really actually come out because that thing doesn't actually make any sense? Just to, It's wise to do that. It's wise to plan for the future. How are you going to... How are you going to work to grow personally in the Lord? Your physical health, retirement, all those kind of things. Job, like you need to think about that. It's, it's wise to plan how we'll try to maintain healthy relationships. There's wisdom in doing that. But here again, the attitude has to be right. The attitude has to be right. Watch verse 15. Verse, James says, Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. So now James calls for planning that is humble. So we need to plan. There's nothing wrong with planning, but we need to plan in a way that is humble. And in this verse, he tells us three things. God is in charge, if the Lord wills. God keeps you alive. You may not have noticed this, but He says, if the Lord wills, we will live. Do you know? If you look at your Bibles, notice that. If the Lord wills, we will live. So God is in charge. God keeps us alive. And then God decides what we get to do. He says, and then we will do this or that. It's so good for us to like read our Bibles well. Because in one verse, You learn so much about how dependent we are as human beings on God. He's in charge. He decides if we live, and then he decides what we get to do. Humble living starts with remembering who is in control. Let me say it again because I wanted us to get it. Humble living starts with remembering who is in control. Control, God, not me. Proverbs 19 says, "Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand." Proverbs 16:9, "The heart of a man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. God is in control. But again, again. doesn't mean we shouldn't plan. And because I know you know me to be very practical, I want to give you some tips for planning. Three things to do. Go to the Lord in prayer. You're thinking about making a plan? Talk to God. Ask for wisdom. Ask for help. Then listen to the word of God. Because you want to make sure that the plan aligns with what God has said in his word. Then you want to seek counsel. There's nothing worse then just deciding something on your own, like it feels like it's good and everything like that, you haven't talked to anybody. Trusted people in your life, whether it's your, your pastors or, or the people God has, has brought into your life that you trust. those are three things to do. Here are three questions to ask when making a plan. Will this plan glorify God and bring solid results? It's important. Am I actually going to get the results that I'm, I'm aiming for? If the answer is no, then it's probably not a very good plan. Does this plan reveal a care and concern for others? So here you got in one, you got love for God. Now in number two, you got love for others. That's how we're called to live. Love God, love our neighbor. Then the next one, will this plan help me grow and mature? So important. Or is it driven by a desire for ease and comfort? Am I doing this just because I just want to? I just want to. I just want ease. Is that why it's put together? We gotta be willing to ask ourselves those hard questions. And then the next step after we're done planning, you know what we do? We adopt the attitude of Jesus Christ, who in Luke twenty-two verses forty-two says, "Father, not my will be done, but yours be done." So I plan, but then I embrace, I walk like Jesus Christ. I say, not my will, but yours be done. And this attitude, when we have it, keeps us being, from being frustrated when our plans don't work out. When that is my attitude, God knows best. Now you're like, Marv, what do I do, though, if I'm already frustrated? Frustrated. You say, well, it keeps us from being frustrated, but what if I'm in a a spot where I'm frustrated, where I want to tell you three things to keep in mind when you're frustrated. Know and understand that God loves and cares for us. And so if the plan is in a different direction, it is for our good. He knows. Know that God's aim is our sanctification. Sanctification. You're in that place of frustration. God's aim for us is not ease and comfort. It's to make us mature. It's to make us like Jesus Christ. It's to sanctify us. And know, this last one, that God is wise, sovereign, and all-knowing. All-knowing. As a kid, I used to drive with my dad. My dad, he lives in, in, uh, in Jamaica, and he, he sells, buys and sells coffee. And I would go... With him, we'd drive from country into, into town and he would, he would go and he would sell. Now, I have this distinct memory uh, with my dad. Well, there's two things that, that the other one doesn't matter. But he would always, when we are driving and going around a corner, he would put the truck almost into the bank and honk the horn. Beep, beep, beep. Do you know why? Because the roads... In country is so narrow that you you two cars can't can't get around. And you know how we have you know how we, we complain a little bit about our taxes. Don't complain those nice roads that we drive on. We guardrails and all those kind of stuff in Jamaica. Driving from country to town is a risk. You, I'm dead serious. And it's the reason why you honk is because you cannot see around the other side and you don't know what is coming. And so if you take that corner too fast, remember I told you it's a risk. Well, let me just tell you that God never has to honk. It'll preach. He never has, you know why? He knows what is around the corner. He knows what is coming all the time. God is never in a moment where he's like, you know what, Marv, I don't know what's going to happen next. He's never in that spot. He never has to honk the horn. He knows what is coming. And you're like, why are you telling me this? I'm telling you it so that if the plan is changed, you trust God because he knows what is up ahead. And our father is always, let me say this, Always doing what is right for us to protect us because he says, If you knew what I know up there, you wouldn't be so frustrated right here because you would know that right here I am doing good to you. And when you get over here, you're gonna say, Hallelujah! You're gonna give God praise because you said he protected me. That's what he's doing. All the time. Our father never has to honk. He knows what is going on all the time. And so even in the midst of being frustrated, even in the midst of being confused, don't you feel confused right now? The times we're in, am I the only one? I'm just up here alone. But God says, trust me. I mean all things for your good. Verse 17 says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, that is sin. Here's the thing about James. He will like write and he'll, he's being very clear. And then all of a sudden you just get to a verse and you're like, what? It just feels kind of random. For him, for him to know who knows what the right thing to do and fails to do it? For him, that is sin. You're like, James, brother, what, what are you talking about? What, what's the right thing? Well, the right thing, again, if we put, keep it in context, the right thing to do in the text is to acknowledge that I am not God in all of my planning and my living, it's to admit that God is sovereign, that he knows all things, and to admit that we need him at all times. That is the right thing in the text. That is the way we, we take what we have heard and live it. We say, God is God, I am not. And we submit and we surrender. We say all of our plans are in his sovereign hands. And James says, when we don't do it, it is sin. And that's the sin he wants us to avoid. But, but, but if we do sin, if we, if we make this misstep, then we need to understand that there's grace for us, that there's grace available to us because this sin is dealt with in God's plan of Redemption. And let me I want to review it because it's so important because it helps us understand how all our planning works. The the plan of redemption, God the Father ordains this plan. Puts it in place for our rescue. Genesis 3, the, everything falls apart, but then God because he's so good goes to work on our behalf. And then the son achieves and there's verses that you can go chase these things down. He comes, Jesus, he proclaims the gospel. He lived without sin. He died in our place for all our sin of presumption and all these other sins. Jesus goes to the cross that he is resurrected from the grave. And it's so important because the resurrection shows us that sin is paid for. And then Jesus is seated on the throne, which shows that the work is done. And then the Spirit Applies. He comes and he gives us a new heart. Remember verse 18, he, we have been brought forth, chapter 1, verse 18, by the word of truth. We've been brought to life, new heart and new life. And then the Spirit guides us in our life and our planning as we depend on God. And then the Spirit, he comforts us. And how does he comfort us? He comforts us when the plan's not going exactly the way we thought it would go. And then he sanctifies us. He sanctifies us when we're frustrated, when we're confused. And he shows us that we need to be in this place of going to the feet of God for grace. And then he preserves us. He holds us to the end. And here's the beautiful part. The sun will come again. And he will consummate all things. He will make all things right. All the justice that's being talked about and wanted. Jesus is going to give it all perfectly. Not in an imperfect way like our culture would do it. And he will glorify the saints. Bodies will be made right our minds will be made right we'll be thinking the right way and then he will take us into the presence of our father this is what we're waiting on this is what we look to and in times like this it should remind us that this is not home this is not right the the son needs to come how much are you praying for jesus to come back how do you think we get out of this mess The return of Christ, which James actually talks about. And we're going to talk about it. He says, be patient in chapter 5. Establish your hearts for what? The coming of the Lord. James says this is coming. And we wait on that with hopeful, hopeful hearts. We need to think wisely in our planning. In our planning, we need to remember that we're part of a bigger plan. That's what I'm trying to do up here. I'm trying to show us that we're part of a bigger plan. And watch this. All our plans are subject to this plan. All of our plans are subject to this divine plan because God is working something bigger. Can I get the big takeaway up there again? All our plans are in God's sovereign hands. And again, remember I told you at the beginning, this should give us peace. It should give us peace because it means our Father is taking care of us. I hope you've sensed that in the text. That God is taking care of us, that He is guiding us, that He is protecting us. And so the aim of our life should be to live with trust, dependence and humility believing that our Father is only going to do good to us all the time and he's even doing good to us now Psalm 23 says surely goodness and mercy shall follow me oh not some, all the days of our lives so let's trust God with our life and with our church let's pray Father we thank you that the word is good God, we thank you that the word is available. Father, That we thank you that you speak. Father, we thank you that from your word we are comforted, that from your word we are helped, that from your word, oh God, we are reminded of who you are and we're reminded, Lord God, of our need of you. We pray, Father, that you'd protect us from pride, Father, we pray that you would protect us from thinking that we don't need you. Father, we confess and repent of any ways that we've been living, just simply trusting in ourselves and not depending on our gracious, kind, gentle, heavenly Father. We pray, Father, that you would show us grace the rest of this day. We pray that you would show us grace in the days to come, that we would live with the level of urgency and the level of intentionality knowing that we do not know what tomorrow will bring and even though we are uncertain Lord God you know, you know all things we pray Lord Jesus that you would be the the king of our lives, we pray Father that your spirit would be anointing us each moment to walk in a way that's humble, to walk in a way that pleases you walk in a way that is wise. Thank you for giving us a word. Give us the strength now we pray to walk in it, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can stand as we respond. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit HopeTorontoNorth.com